Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia. We are the millennial movie movement, and I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller. Back at it with more movie content as we are getting into the final stretch of season four. You can basically see the finish line, but we are not there just yet. We still have a few episodes up our sleeves and amazing things coming up for season five. We are already working on it, which is very exciting. And this week is going to be a fun one. It was a fun time to sit down with an old friend. Now, you may remember back in season two, we had guest of the show, friend of the show, Alex Collegian on to talk about the Maltese Falcon. Well, he is back and better than ever. Uh, Not only does he have a podcast coming up on the same network, so we are now cousin shows, uh, but he decided to come on the show and he picked his comfort film, which I just find so sweet. Um... Especially considering this film, uh, we are sitting down and we're talking about Old School, which is 2003, Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson, and Vince Vaughn, all in one movie, which, when you think about it, should not be strange, but also is kind of strange, thinking about the direction all of their careers went to. Um, Overall, this was my first time watching the film, I know, Um, but I am not normally one for a raunchy comedy, I'll say that, Um, and this for sure is, so it's not something that I would look at and go, yeah, that's what I want to watch today. Did I have fun? Yes. Is it silly? Yes. Is it stupid? Yes. Is it a film for dudes? Yes. And so being a female millennial uh, who doesn't quite understand this movie, it was fun to sit down and chat with Alex and get a little bit more insight into that kind of ideology that is inside this film of, you know, regaining lost time and, and things of that nature. So overall, a wonderful time. And I'm rambling again, which is what I always do in these intros. So without further ado my interview with Alex Collegian about his favorite film, Old School. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey there, Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. And we have a returning friend back on the show, the one and only Alex Collegian. And so first and foremost, it's been a while since we've chatted. How are you? What are you doing? All of those good things. You know, let me know what, what's been going on with you. Gosh, I guess it's been a while. Uh, it's hard to tell time in uh, the era of COVID, but maybe like For a sure. year, I mean, like some months. Um, what have I been up to? Well, uh, the world and the business has opened up a little bit since then. Uh, I had a film project that was about to go right before COVID and then it sort of fell apart. 
And in the ensuing time since I've talked to you, it's sort of uh, had a resurgence. Ironically, it's called Firebird. So it's risen from its own ashes. Uh, we are currently awaiting um, a major star attachment, which will trigger the financing. So very exciting weekend of uh, refreshing um, emails and such. Like most of my career, I'm waiting on life-changing moments and living Aren't in we in all? Between. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't <much>. we all? <laughs> you know, I, I think it was John Lennon who was either quoting somebody or said it himself. He's like, life is what happens while you're you know, making plans, right? So, yeah. Um, it's that and a bunch of other things, including self-promotion here, uh, <laughs> my own podcast called How I Got Greenlit which is a a sister show of yours. Um, We're on the same network. Yeah. We will be coming out uh, June 28th. Amazing. Wonderful. uh, To a platform near you. And we're very excited about that. Also film uh, related, but as you can tell, I'm more boring and verbose and behind the scenes than you are. (laughs) So it'll be a lot of interviews with industry professionals and filmmakers and, um, you know, how they do their job. What is their job? How, how does that fit into the larger scope of making films? And, uh, and then we talk about a film that sort of influenced them and, you know, how I got greenlit is sort of a reference to my show uh, that's coming back on HBO max project Greenlight. Right. So that'll be back in January. So, you know, I'm just trying to build my brand. No, <laughs> um, no, it's, but it's funny. Like I, I've been reticent to quote, build my brand. Um, right. But, it, but it's like, I do love film. You love film. I mean, that's why we're here talking about film. Oh, but for sure. It's, you know, like follow your bliss, you know, as, <laughs> as, as Oprah and Joseph Campbell once said, but, um, right. but it's true. You know, you, uh, it, it is a labor of love. It is, um, fun because it's a lot of, you know, this first season is of course me like calling up old friends and saying, Hey, can you, can you come talk about your stuff? But they are having an incredible time. They are revealing a lot about not only like some juicy tidbits behind the scenes, how this thing was made, how that was made, but also like the psychology behind it. Oh like yeah. Why, why we do what we do which is kind of the unintended consequence, but it's almost like, you know, I don't know what the psychological property of it is properly called, but uh, misery loves company of it, if you will. Like (laughs) even, even the most successful people uh, in our industry or people you might aspire to be or work with or whatever um, have had a lot of tough times. Um, And even after the quote unquote huge greenlit moment that changed their lives, then they'll have a setback or whatever. And you just see that it's more about having the right, well, first of all, starting off with a love of film. I mean, that's the through line is they do this because they love it. They've come at it from all different crazy directions and misadventures and random luck and timing and whatever. But the through line is you got to love this to put up with all the nonsense that is sort of baked into the process. hundred percent, hundred percent. I know that's basically every time I talk to an industry professional, it sounds like that is the same thing in an echo chamber that everyone's like, well, we love doing this, but it's frustrating (laughs) sometimes, you know? 
So that's very exciting. I'm excited to listen to that uh, when it when it drops. So um, I'm going to be subscribed immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Smash that subscribe button. Right. (laughs) Rate, Um, review and subscribe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. um, So that's some stuff that's going on. And of course, you know, the use the use of like. My kid, you know, he was at prom and now the school's like, everyone get tested. There's a COVID outbreak because we oh. got a live prom, you know, just like all the yeah. other nonsense. But um, no, I mean, look, it's been a good time. It's a lot of, I've written a ton of stuff that is like all coming to fruition at once. And um, it's a hopeful time, you know, after coming out of COVID and starting to see that people are really actually making movies that, you know, like the machine is starting to really spin up a lot more. Um, I have, I'm pretty hopeful, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's great. And, you know, obviously it does feel good to kind of feel like we're getting close to the other side of that tunnel for sure. And, uh, and I mean, not to kind of shift gears a little, but we're talking about a film that is kind of easygoing. I don't think it takes a whole lot of brain power to really think about this film, but I am very interested to hear, first and foremost, you picked old school. And so I did want to ask you right off the bat, what was it about old school? You were like, yeah, that's the one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Especially coming last time you were here, you did Maltese Falcon, which is like, that is a high bar. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because uh, I was just, I was going to come back with the big sleep, like to further the oh, like Humphrey <laughs> Bogart trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I just rewatched and it's still as good as it ever was. But, oh, of um, course. No, I think it was that uh, I wanted to talk about, because I, so again, self-referential, two reasons. One is we, um, on, on my podcast, how oh, I got greenlit, um, we had an interview with, um, uh, a friend of mine, an actor named Ryan Donahue, who was the star of OC, and he's done a bunch of indie films and big movies and blah, blah, blah. He, um, when we asked to talk about a film that influences people, he came with a really interesting thing. He said, I don't want to talk about specifically just one film. I want to talk about a half a dozen movies that got me through my rough childhood that were VHS tapes that helped me escape my reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I won't even like get into it, but let's just say <laughs> his very religious mother would periodically find the tapes and throw them out because they were the devil's work. Uh-huh. And, then, and then he would fish them out of the trash and slowly just <laughs> reincorporate them onto his like, you know, shelf. Mm-hmm. And it was just a constant like flow. Out. <laughs> the devil must have brought them back. So, but he just said, "Yeah, this was my escape. This was my, you know, Prozac to get me through this this tough time." And um, so, old school for me is that, like you said, it doesn't require a lot of brain power. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I remember the first time I saw it, I was in a theater, and it was like astoundingly funny on its own, but also turbocharged by the reaction of people around me, right? It was just like belly laughs kind of level. Right. And um, so I thought, well, you know, talking about COVID and all that, um, comfort films matter, you know? And I know I said something about broccoli versus like hamburgers. Like this would be a mac and cheese movie, which is For sure. (laughs) You know, you've had it a million times. It's a very couple ingredients, but 
some days you just need it, you know? So especially with a movie like this that I've seen, I don't know, let's say 30 times. And (laughs) either you can come in in the middle of it, you can need it after a bad day and be like, I don't want to concentrate and like figure out the plot points in the book. Like, oh, there's old school. And I'll even like watch scenes of it on YouTube. Like, oh, I just need a quick hit, you know? And um, it's just one of those movies. Um, You know, to again, to use a nerdy film reference, there's a film that uh, Frank Capra made in the, I think it was the late 30s, early 40s called Sullivan's Travels. And Mm. it was, again, my obsession with behind the scenes Hollywood. It was a movie about movies. It was a director, a popular director of like kind of lighter fare named Sullivan. And the studio's like, we need another one here, you know, popular like hamburger movies. And he's like, I want to make art. Right. And they were like, we don't want to make art. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, the, you know, we're coming, we're going through depression. We're doing all this. I'm going to go undercover and ride the rails and meet the real people and make my Grapes of Wrath film, you know? And so he does this, this fancy Hollywood guy like goes and roughs it and, you know, pretends to be destitute and like a, an Oki or whatever. And so he ends up in a homeless encampment with a bunch of other down on their locker, a real down on their lockers. And somebody puts up a bed sheet and projects like Mickey Mouse movies on the wall. And even though these people are hungry and they're cold and they're tired and they have no home, they're laughing their asses off and they're escaping. And he realizes that what he does matters. You know, he was sort of putting down his own work that he happened to be good at comedies or escape his fair, right. wanting to make that art film. And the answer is like, we need all kinds of stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and sometimes we just need an escapist movie. And that's what old school is to me. It's like an old friend. It's like a teddy bear, whatever, you know, whatever you get, security blanket. Yeah. And the other reason is because, um, when I directed a film a couple of years ago called High Voltage, uh, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Luke Wilson and also Perry Reeves. Oh. So we, we would joke that we were just basically like cherry picking half the cast of old school <laughs> in the seventh <laughs> movie. That's not funny at all, by the way. But I mean, there's funny parts, but it's definitely right. not trying to be an old school like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. reboot. Um, but anyway, so it was kind of like... Um, when I was, uh, again, it was that situation where Luke Wilson was the big name that we needed to trigger some money. So, uh, you know, I got to get, I, I started talking to him. Like, I was like, we gotta get him, man. Yeah. And we got to him like a friend of a friend of his. And he's like, you know, this part isn't big enough. You're going to have to write more stuff. You're going to have to make it like meatier, you know, so that, that he'll be interested. So literally like I was so desperate that one weekend i watched old school and I watched, you know, Bottle Rocket and all of his movies. Right. And I, I kind of got his patois down, man, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, God, cause I would write this dialogue and then I would read it. Like, is this how we would say it? You know? And, <laughs> right. um, and so, and he liked it and he said he would do it. And so we shot with him and he was a super nice guy, really professional, great guy. And it was the classic thing where we had no money. So, he had like 20 pages of dialogue that he did in a day. And I just rattled it off with him. And that's a lot of dialogue for any actor. So I, I had read that, um, 
uh, Marlon Brando had cue cards in The Godfather. And, mm-hmm. he, and there's pictures of the, like Robert Duvall wearing cue cards on their chest. And he's like very like, they shot Tony on the, Sonny on the, toll, on the tollway, you know, like these super heavy scenes, but like he's wearing like, they right. my boy, you know? And, uh, and I thought, oh my God, even Marlon Brando. So I said to the production coordinator, I'm like, look, it's a lot of dialogue for one day. The guy's a pro, but do me a favor. And can you write these up as cue cards just in case? Because we can't, I can't afford another day with him. We have to get it all done. So he showed up and he was off book, meaning didn't need sides, didn't need cue cards, didn't need shit. Like he knew it like right. flat. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, man, it's good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I even said like, uh, hey man, you know, I'm not a stickler. Cause the other star of the movie was uh, David Arquette and David was more, mm. he was almost there every day. And David was like the reverse. David did a lot of improv. He did a lot of like, he's like, you know, this is good. This is a good monologue, but I could just say it in like a look. I'd be like, <laughs> all right, let's try it your way. And I took <laughs> every one of his suggestions. So I was, because I'd written the script, I was not super like persnickety about say the words. That's a right. comma. And you hear those stories. And I just think that's bullshit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems just a little bit egocentric. Like it, at the bare minimum, like, please do it as written. Thank you. Now what's right. your idea? Thank you. And now <laughs> we'll just see what works better in context. Right. Not yeah. like my way or the highway or whatever. But, and I said, when he showed up, I'm like, listen, man, any way you want to say it, you're the pro, you know what words sound better, you know, coming out of your mouth, man. And he was like, <laughs> no, this is great stuff, you know? And, and he had a lot of fun with it. And him and our cat had a lot of fun working together. They knew each other. So it was an incredible day. And just, um, yeah, I mean, so I can't watch... So, and then I was getting the crew all excited because he came in like near the end of the shoot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys better get your shit together, man. You got a movie star coming <laughs> here. You know, and it just got annoying. As you can see, it's already annoying. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the long and long of it uh, of why old school. But um, how, so tell me, like, uh, that's why I picked it. Like, how do you, how do we, how do we tackle it? Like, what's your, do you have a series of questions or is it just lo- loose Yeah, well, so, I mean, I have a lot of, like, internal questions about this movie, which I found kind of interesting watching it, just because it's definitely, let's throw it out there, it's a dude bro movie, like, for sure. And so I'm, I think I'm a little confused as to, like, what the point of the plot is, and maybe I'm just looking at it too closely. That's because you're not a middle-aged man. What? gonna say is it because i'm not like a dude like <laughs> yes it's it, so it's a yes it's yeah you're exactly right it's a bro hang movie right? yeah and it's also it's a wish fulfillment for any guy from like eh, i'd say like 29 to 49 right yeah because you're out of college you're paying bills you're on your own and like you're kind of like, oh, I couldn't wait to be an adult. And this kind of sucks. Like, it's hard. And yeah. <laughs> for all the agency I have now, eh, this isn't what I thought it would be. You know, like, it's yeah. just tough. This place is unbelievable, Mitch. You like it? I don't know how you could still be depressed. This is probably the best thing that's ever happened to us. 
Us? Yeah, us. Look, do not get selfish on me here. Okay, now stay with me. You put a bar in over there, mm -hmm. right? A couple yes. lazy boys, yeah. fill it out. You definitely need a smarter couch. You can put a hot tub almost anywhere in this place. Max, can you earmuff it for me? We are gonna get so much ass here, it's gonna be sick. I'm talking like crazy, like boy band ass. That sounds like a lot of fun, but I need a little time to get my life back together. What we need to do is throw like a big kickoff, like kick-ass party to Absolutely. start things off here. Break it in a little, meet the neighbors, yeah. right? Come on, Mitch. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Break it in. The real estate guy was really adamant about Mitch, not having... listen to me. I don't think you realize what a huge opportunity this is for you. Girls love a guy who's in your particular uh -huh. situation. Uh -huh. What situation? And so when you meet Luke's character at the very beginning, he's kind of a schlep, you know? He's just like, he's wearing this suit and tie, but you could tell, like, he doesn't look right in a suit and tie. Like, Luke Wilson's a t-shirt guy. What the fuck, you know? And yeah. uh, um, so his, his standard, his starting, like, default position is kind of like, I think, an every man, and it's definitely man, you know, let's be honest. But right. um, meaning... Every person like, oh, shit, I'm not a kid anymore. I can't pretend. And this isn't fun. And I wish I could go back, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think every person, man or woman, especially at that time, I'd say post-college into maybe like, maybe you have a family and you realize, well, I can't go back now. The kids wouldn't exist right. and I love them and whatever. But like in that, in the gap between, you know, throwing up that mortarboard and, you know, saying I'm a big boy now or big girl, like <laughs> to blank, you know, to whatever that, you know, getting married or having a kid or some sort of major uh, milestone beyond that. It's that gap where you're like, is this it? Is this what I went in debt for and freaking right. my ass off and got a 1119 on the SATs or you know, like all that yeah. stuff. So, I mean, I think on that level, it's re relatable. It is a bit of a throwback now. I mean, let's be honest. It's a 20-year-old movie. Mm -hmm. There is some retrograde, a few jokes, mostly not, but a few off-color jokes that maybe wouldn't fly today. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, and we should talk about that, right? You should Absolutely. talk about it, you know, because I, I was curious to see what a, a young person you know, an, a, an educated person, uh, a, a modern woman would really think of it. I mean, did you like it? Or were you like, wow, this is like a time capsule of a lost age? <laughs> I mean, so it, it does, I mean, 2003. So I was in middle school, somewhere around there. And so it does, it is kind of a time capsule in my mind because it was like, it was like my friends would sneak over those movies at like their parents' house. And it's like, oh, we're going to watch this. And it's like, it's for adults. And so in one hand, there's a bit of a nostalgia for me. And, but watching it as, you know, with today's 2022 vision, there were a couple of times where I was like, does anyone actually like their wife in this movie? Which like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't wrap my head around, but that was also like peak comedy back then was like married couples who don't necessarily like each other, which is kind of weird in my mind now being in like well, a healthy it, relationship like yeah yeah and that's it's i think that that was like yes i think that was the last of that era where it started and maybe even like the 30s and 40s where it was like take my yeah. wife please you know and then honeymooners and it was like the tropes of every sitcom and right uh, even homer simpson it's like the 
the nagging wife and the beer swilling, right. you know, like kind of archetypical shit, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, well, look, I will say this. What, <laughs> what I thought was a smart turn that, you know, it's kind of a, it's a harsh movie on some level. It, you know, if you, if you want to go down this rabbit hole, go watch <laughs> Animal House because this oh, is sort man. of like referencing Animal House. And that really was a different era, uh, even from what you're watching here. But yeah, the, uh, I think the one kind of saving grace is, um, you know, you have, uh, you have these guys that, you know, they, they want to relive their youth and they want to like escape their responsibilities. But, um, you know, Vince Vaughn sort of talks a big game, but then when he's actually presented with, um, the ability to, you know, have, have an affair. Uh, he can't do it. He loves his yeah. life. He loves his family. It's, he's all, he's all talk. And I thought that that was a real saving grace for that character, especially because Vince Vaughn, he's funny, but in a very kind of grating way, he's almost like a bully kind of, yeah, a um, little bit, you know, and then Will Ferrell, uh, you know, wanted to have fun, but mostly he's, kind of missing his wife and like realized he screwed up and like it's more her saying like yeah why did I marry you like no we're not right we're not going back you know what I mean so in, in many ways I know what you're saying like oh well, these guys want to dump their wives and have sex with college girls but like yeah I think the takeaway is more like they think they do but oh, for sure that you know they end up like oh god I was married to a great woman what did I do wrong I got to get her back or oh, I thought I wanted to cheat on my wife, but I actually love my life and maybe I just need to appreciate what I have. I, I, I came away with that. Of course, you know, Luke's situation is a little bit different. I don't know that he's, I don't think he's married to his, No, I think uh, they're just partner. dating. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like, look, having just recently gone through a breakup, like the, the, the stages of that are you're sad and you miss them. And then slowly you're like, hmm, maybe that worked out for the best. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know that I was meant to be with that person forever. And I'm glad that we didn't, because we were talking about marriage and kids. And it's like, okay, so, whew, you know, like we, we didn't yeah. go far. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and on that level, I'd give it to him. But yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's also like, what is it? Uh, baby oil wrestling? I mean, it's got a little Oh my it's gosh. Little, it's got a it's little like bit of It's like K-Jelly wrestling, which is like oh, very, very college. <laughs> Have you actually seen that happen? I didn't, I, oh, I didn't no. go to that college. Okay. No, I didn't. I, I've been to one college party in my whole life and I, I did not have a good time. So I Aww. didn't go back. Well, that's but, because you were 30. They were like, who's that? Right. <laughs> no. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it's, it's yeah. whatever. I, 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 nor have I that level of, I mean, that's why it's escapist. It's more of a cartoon, oh, yeah. I think, you know, and especially Will Ferrell is definitely playing like a almost cartoonish level funny, you know, it's like, it's, it's a physical movie. It's a archetypical movie. I think that Luke Wilson fulfills the straight man role Yeah. Uh, to kind of a loose plot, you know, kind of like, okay, uh, misses his girlfriend, moves out, doesn't really know what's going on, sort of a drone and at work and, you know, kind of floating through life. And in the course of this crazy adventure, kind of 
discovers his mojo, if you will, right? And starts being the cool guy at work and talking back to the boss. And everyone's like, wow, this guy's a new man. You know, it's classic yeah. sort of wish fulfillment of like, I wish I could tell my boss to shut up, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is interesting that like on a surface level, this does not need a lot of brain power. You know who these characters are. It's easy to follow and it's funny and we laugh. But there's also a lot of like very subtle nuances. Like there's a whole shout out to The Graduate, to Animal House. Like there's a couple different like cinematic layers that they're also throwing in here, which I thought was kind of interesting to throw into a movie in the genre. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's my favorite kind of humor is sort of like high lowbrow. I would say The Simpsons is in that category. Uh, Rick and Morty is in that category. Um, You know, this movie has um, genuine like sadness, like especially Will Ferrell kind of driving around or even like Blue's funeral and singing like the Kansas song. But then... Andy Dick with the blowjob scene. Like oh it's just, gosh. it's got something for everyone, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and that's why it works, I think, because look, it, you could argue that what it did is that it took these three stars of this movie. It was a huge hit and it, it kind of cemented their careers, right? Like mm-hmm. Luke Wilson is pretty much known for the like, you know, kind of goofy, kind of likable, kind of like every man, sort of like, you know, he's made a really good career out of being the um, attractive but not threatening male lead in like the films <laughs> where the woman is a bigger star. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. he laughed about it. He's like, oh, yeah. They're always like, oh, he's cute, but he won't like overshadow me. Like he's a yeah. good actor. He's a nice guy. He always delivers but I'm the star and you fill in the blank of whoever, you know, the Uma Thurman's and the whatever's right. And right. He's, like, he's got a great uh, kind of um, ability to be uh, a good partner in this kind of rom-coms and such. And then Vince Vaughn, you know, Vince Vaughn was kind of in the, in the, in the wilderness for a little while, right? He came like guns blazing in swingers, mm-hmm. which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend um, <laughs> in, a, another example of where indie film used to be. Right. Okay. That was an indie film. No money, bunch of buddies, stealing locations, handheld, improv, cut from their lives, blah, blah, blah. And But at the end of the day, a, a comedy. You know, you just don't see that anymore because it's not arguing for the, you know, stopping drilling on the Lakota tribe like right. plants. You know what I mean? Like there's not an agenda to it. It's like, mm. hey, let's just visit this weird little subculture for 90 minutes, right? Right. So, but he established like with clear authority, like I am a movie star. Here I am, can't be contained, fast talking, cha-cha-cha, right? And you kind of felt like, oh, they're just turning on a camera. Like that guy is that guy for those guys, right? Like just basically Favreau is like, this is my cool buddy that's like tall and handsome. I'm just going to write <laughs> shit that he said. And I, and I fully do that too. We all do. Right. But so, um, and it happened to make them like movie stars or at least Vince Vaughn, you know? And, uh, but then he took a turn. Like he kind of went down the nineties indie mm-hmm. film route of doing 
more drama stuff. He did like horrors and thrillers. He actually was the lead in the shot for shot remake of Psycho, if you can believe it. That's something. Oh, wow. That's, there's a movie you should watch, okay? So talk about reboots. Yeah. Um, Psycho, the movie we all know uh, and shouldn't ever touch, but uh, I right. think it was Miramax was like, no, no, whoever owned it, Universal. Uh, so Universal's like, we're going to do a shot-for-shot remake and we're going to get Gus Van Zant to direct it and we're going to get Vince Vaughn to play Norman Bates. You got to watch it. I mean, right. it's like... <laughs> You can't look, it's like a car wreck, right? I was going to say, that sounds wild. <laughs> it's just, you don't even believe it exists because I love Gus Van Sant and I love Vince Vaughn. Um, like Anne Heche is in it. It's just, a, it's like a snapshot of a weird time where, you know, it was a good example of like, don't do that. Like don't right. reboot something that's so like clearly right. recognizable. Like you're just going to get in trouble. Yeah. So, um, but meaning like he'd lost his way or not. Not that, but maybe he always had a, an aspiration to be a more um, dramatic actor or, you know, to be able to do anything. And I get that, too. Like, none of us want to be typecast. None of us want to be pigeonholed. Like, yeah. you know, I sold Project Greenlight and everyone was like, you're the reality guy. And I'm like, no, I got lots of scripts and stuff. And they're like, you're the reality guy, right? I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. just, it's, it's simple. It's like shorthand, like you do that shit and that's all we want from you. And, and right. people have made great careers from it. But, um, and so he kind of, you know, lost the mojo and this movie came along and just, they're like, Hey, what would happen if the cool guy from swingers was like mid thirties and had a couple kids, like right. what would he look like now? And that's pretty much what he is, that character, right? You know, he's still fast talking. He still thinks he's like, you know, cool guy. And he's really yeah. just like a stereo salesman with like a minivan, right? Yeah. So they they pull on that. And of course, he just, you know, over delivers. And then look at Will Ferrell. I mean, Will Ferrell was still kind of on SNL. He had real no track record in film. They kind of plugged him in like, it's a Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn thing and this other guy, right? Right. But now if I told you, oh, there's a movie with Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson, you'd be like, oh, it's a Will Ferrell movie that there is. Right. You know I mean? Like, and that's what happened, by the way, is that um he was not expected to do anything. And he fucking stole the movie, in my opinion, right? Yeah. And in, in fact, there were scenes Luke was telling me, there were scenes that he didn't want to do. And Will was like, I'll do it. Like Luke was supposed to do the goofy, like rhythmic gymnastics. I was going to say, I read that. Yeah. That yeah. he was like exhausted or something. And then Will Ferrell was like, I'll yeah, do it. I'll do it. And he ended up fucking like <laughs> nailing it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, be careful, you know, when you're doing movies with these kind of guys, I'm not saying Will Ferrell was like, had an agenda. Like I'm going right, to away. <laughs> I just think he was like, Oh shit. Well, this is my first movie. I better work real hard, you know. So yeah. Um, but he also cemented that kind of like dumb but not dumb, but kind of lovable, but kind of stupid, like man child thing, yeah. you know, that he did a lot of. He he also he oscillated between that character and then he kind of got into the um the anchorman thing. So it was oh, like man. the the mansplainer arrogant for no reason archetype mm -hmm. or the lovable dunce archetype. Right. So, yeah. um, which was great to see either way. And, uh, Perry was, I'm like, what was he like? She's like, exactly what you think. Great guy, super talented, <laughs> but she's like, I just had to keep up. I mean, that guy was just 
improv and making shit up. You just had to keep a straight face half the time because he would just right. make you laugh. Like there's a funny scene where, and it's not even that funny a scene. It's more like just a plot point or something. It's uh, he's fixing his car uh, out in the, and she's bringing like lemonade. And it's so cute yeah. to see like, Oh, they're like newly married. And she's trying to like relate to him in his stupid car. But clearly he, he's not really clicking in like with what married life looks like or whatever. loud yeah thanks took the restrictor plate off give the red dragon a little more juice but uh let's keep that on the down low it's not exactly street legal hey mike right so what's up oh nothing much i was kind of hoping we might get to those thank you nights tomorrow night oh honey um i got mitch's thing tomorrow night oh that's right i totally forgot but i can skip it oh no no don't, don't be silly. I mean, I, I wouldn't want you changing your whole life just for me. Um, but you know what? I'll give Laura a call and we'll plan a girls' night. It'll be fun. Thanks. You're the best. Just as long as you promise to take it easy, you know? What do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. You've come a long way since Frank the Tank, and we don't want him coming back now, do we? Honey, <laughs> Frank the Tank is not coming back, okay? That, that part of me is over. It's water under the bridge. I promise. I always laugh because like they're there and out of nowhere, he just like turns off camera and he goes, hey, Bob, what's up? You know, like waves yeah. to no one. And she's like, there was no Bob. I didn't know what the hell he was talking <laughs> about. He just made up some neighbor. You know what I mean? So it was like. That's amazing. Just, yeah. And, you know, and, and I love Perry. Perry's amazing. She can do comedy. She can do drama. Um, she's gorgeous. She's smart. She's awesome have nothing but great things to say about her and it was a thrill for her and she said look that was great training for entourage because you know freaking piven is just a maniac with that stuff right yeah so she's a great she's like luke in the sense of like you know good you can partner her with any leading man and she's can be smart she can be a ball buster she can be sweet she can be whatever um and uh you know, she took pride in like, for all those like girls in all those bikinis, like I rock that lingerie better than any of them. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but she said it was like that, like working with a Jeremy Piven or working with a Will Ferrell, like you just, you half your job is just not to laugh and to like be ready for these curveballs and just kind of be loose, you know? Yeah. Which I mean, and it's so funny thinking back that like, this was kind of the start of that era. Cause like growing up, it was like Will Ferrell movie after Will Ferrell movie. So like, that's how I know him is like the Anchorman's, the Talladega Nights, like all of those. That's how I know him. So going to this where it's like, he's almost a minor character, but you're right. He totally steals the movie. And like, you're rooting for him to either like, I don't know, not grow up, but like kind of realize like who he wants to be throughout the whole thing. And then when he kind of settles in the end, you, you're really happy for him that he's kind of found his niche. And that's, what's nice is like, it's really hard to, I had this problem. I had a three hander movie and I 
was trying to service all of their story arcs. Mm -hmm. And that was probably to its detriment. I should have just like zeroed in on one of them. But Mm -hmm. I think this script and this film genuinely give a beginning, middle and end to the three main characters, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, and and you kind of could argue that each of them are the lead in a certain way. I mean, you know, Luke, obviously we, we follow his arc and, and, and his, you know, to use the vernacular inciting incident of finding, as he says, you know, uh, sometimes you, you come home on the red eye and you, you know, you, you go, <laughs> whatever you should definitely play. That's one of my favorite, um, lines of any movie ever. And if I'm ever feeling bad, I'll just watch that and laugh, you know, right. like some kind of goddamn magic show. Um, that event is what like really kicks everything in, right? He rents the house and then one thing leads to another and so on. But on the other hand, you could argue like, well, wait a second, like the wedding is, you know, kicks off the movie uh, of, of um, Will Ferrell and uh, Perry's character. Um, and their arc is like clearly defined. You know, he, go, he Frank the Tank reemerges. He's not quite ready to grow up. She's a great woman, but maybe... They both made a mistake and, you know, they're, they're sad, but they're not like angry at each other. Like, yeah, we both made a mistake, whatever. I'm going to go my own way. And Frank yeah. decides like, hey, I'm going to, maybe I will be just an overgrown adolescent for a little while longer and be a DJ on, you know, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it almost like takes the role of the godfather at the end, because I think Luke was the reluctant kind of like cohort and all this even oh for sure elevated, you know, like they were the <laughs> ones that were or he's like i just want to get some sleep and they're like no yeah. you know i got a great sand guy you know all that stuff but um <laughs> uh but by the end you know you, you have that sort of um uh love affair with uh the woman uh, i can't think of her name but from gray's anatomy she went on to probably make more oh, money than all of them uh yeah the Ellen. Le- the le- yes Pompeo? Yalen uh, Pompeo yeah. was just the like, quote, the girl from clearly like a guy movie, but right. was very good in it and very likable and was sort of the redeeming quality. Uh, and you're kind of like, I don't know if they're necessarily going to make it or whatever, but at least you see Luke like moving on. Like, yeah. he's, and that's what people do. You come out of serious relationships. I mean, he definitely vibe like a guy who was living with this woman. They were probably going to get married. They were probably going to have a life together in his mm-hmm. mind. And she was like, I want to swing or whatever. Right. And that right. was in his bag. So it was sort of like what we do uh, when you come out of a marriage, when you come out of a serious relationship, you kind of act the fool a little bit and you play around and you don't really want anything serious. And you go to, you know, you have more parties, you drink more, you go out, you meet strangers, whatever. So, <laughs> right. it, and then by the end of it, he's like, yeah, okay. I think I'm okay. Maybe I'm ready for like an adult relationship with somebody who's maybe more my speed and less like zany. And then I love the little like epilogue where um, the his ex bumps into Frank the Tank, and oh yeah, you, know, you kind of get the feeling like oh maybe they're meant for each other, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But it's funny to see the cast because they all ended up like doing stuff like. Um, I mean, she was kind of coming off a really hot nineties where she was, um, can't think of the actress's name. She was in, uh, uh, natural born killers and she was in Cape fear. 
and uh, had a really great run as like indie darling for almost 20 years. Oh, do you mean his, um, ex, his ex-girlfriend? The, the girl who had the puppet show, uh, had the magic show in the, in the club. Oh yeah. Um, Juliet Lewis. Yeah. Juliet Lewis. Juliet oh. Lewis was coming off like an incredible run of like working with Scorsese and like Oliver Stone and just could do no wrong in like the indie space. And this was like, oh, she can be funny too. Cause you had yeah. seen her do comedies and kind of put her into a comedy realm for a while too. So that was great. But even like, um, uh, uh, Vince Vaughn's wife, uh, turned out to have a great career with, um, yeah. TV. Leah right? Remy. And, yeah. So Leah Remy, she, um, yeah, she was. And then she went on and did the classic sitcom thing. The smart, uh, the smart, pretty wife with the like fat glump, like knucklehead, like husband. Husband. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Where there there was like twenty years of that where you're like, why is she with him? Right. Like uh, I wouldn't ask the question like, why are they married to the women? I the, I think the sitcom thing flipped into like, why is she with him? You know, like right. when you watch the honeymooners, you're you were sort of sympathizing with Alice. You were like, wait a second, she's saying very sane, logical things, and he's being a complete idiot. Right. right. It was always like kind of framed that way. And so she she sort of, you know, King of Queens was almost like the modern equivalent of that, maybe a little less harsh and less like yeah. beating, but you know what I mean? Well, I mean um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um uh, which is a credit to I mean, we should talk about Todd Phillips a minute. I mean, the the casting in this is incredible. And many directors, and I agree, say that um more than half your job is casting your film correctly. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean, even the minor minor roles in this are amazing. You know, you have um, uh, Craig Kilborn as the douchebag um, <laughs> yeah. ex ex boyfriend uh, that just comes out of nowhere. He can't really act; he's basically <laughs> just playing himself. But God damn it, if he's it's not good. funny in this movie, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like. Uh, the boss, even from Luke's job, yeah, is uh, turns out to be uh, a major uh, lead actor on um, Lost, one of my favorite shows of the last, you know, umpteen years, right? And um, it, but like it goes deeper. Like when you on the rewatches, like the two buddies at work that have like five lines, right? <laughs> they're both great. One of them goes on to be. Um, uh, Howard Stern's like co-host for like 10 years. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one turns up in, uh, Veep. Yeah. And all these incredible, he's like an amazing comedic actor. Um, and then like the, the, the girl, the, the daughter of the boss, who's like, you know, oops, like there's the, you know, the, um, yeah. inappropriate uh, relationship, <laughs> let's say <laughs> with the, um, uh-huh. underage lady. <laughs> Uh, she, she was the star of, um, 24. If you remember that show that oh, came wow. out like, right after that, she, she played, um, she was like the daughter that was always, um, you know, kidnapped or in some sort of like, Oh, uh, wow. Pathos through the whole series, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she, uh, God, I mean, talk about that era. She was also in a movie called, um, what was it? The girl next door where uh, she played like a porn star. Oh yeah. 
Oh man! Do you remember that movie? Yeah, I'm, yes, I remember that. I mean, movie. it's just yes, it just it's funny what passed yeah. for like mainstream. It's funny though because I'll meet people uh, of your era and they'll be like, "No, that movie's sweet. I love that movie." I'm like, "What? Mm, have you the watched it recently?" <laughs> well, I did actually because my girlfriend was one of those people. She's like, "No, you just don't get it. It's great. I love Emil Hirsch, blah blah blah." And I'm just like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of sweeter than I thought it would be because, right. you know, the the poster and whatever, it looks almost like an old kind of sex comedy from the 80s, you know? Right. Like, we're going to lose our virginity, whatever that <laughs> kind of subgenre yeah. is called. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just goes, uh, I'm sorry, Elisha Cuthbert, that's her name. But mm-hmm. even like... Um, uh, Sean William Scott as like the one-off of like the pool or the the party. Uh, right. The, the, it had like the, the whatever he was like the, he had donkeys or something with the yeah the, like for the like petting doing, zoo like, the petting zoo guy with the with the dart. I mean, just <laughs> incredible uh, cast of characters. Just every role was hilarious, and everybody was delivering. Um, freaking James Carville shows up and he's funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's all, that's all the director, you know, that's all like, whenever you see an actor and you're like, that was their best performance. It's not, it's not, you know, chance it's because it's a great script, but it's a director that do this, this, I can see your strength and it's this one thing, you know? Yeah. Sorry. Matt, Matt Walsh was the buddy uh, one of the Artie Lang and Matt Walsh. And oh, they went yes. on to greater things as well. I feel like every single person in that film, it was their first or second role. And it was almost like just discovering gem after gem after gem. Of course, we mentioned Jeremy Piven was the classic, you know, Dean Pritchard, like, mm. you know, the, yeah. the part of the class. Again, going back to Animal House, he was playing the like Dean Wormer role, like, oh, the, you know, that guy in authority, we're going to get him. Right. Um, which is funny because that was sort of the antithesis of what he became, which was more of the like slick, you know, Ari Gold kind of uh, agent guy. But um, yeah, <laughs> again, six degrees of Perry Reeves. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's kind of incredible. Like the, it's not an accident that they all went on to great things. And by the way, Fun fact, uh, the casting director on that was Joseph Middleton, who I know from Project Greenlight. He was he cast um, our first couple of seasons of films. Oh, wow. Um, and that's sort of an unsung, uh, very important role in, you know, making great films is not just the director directing them and getting them into that, you know, great place that they deliver, but getting exposed to these people, you know, because who the hell was Matt Walsh in 19, you know, or excuse me, right. 2002 or whatever. I mean, no offense to him. He was doing great stuff, but I mean, on a mainstream audience, you know, so Joseph Middleton, great, uh, casting director. Um, yeah. What else? <laughs> I mean, so you said you have a favorite line and the one thing that I do like to ask everybody is, do you have a favorite like scene in this movie that like you gravitate to, or is it that line in the wedding? Uh, it's a couple things. Yeah. I would call that. So that's the drunken, uh, wedding toast. Yes. Okay. Uh, where Luke is just found out that his girlfriend was cheating on him and he's gets really, you know, hammered at the wedding and delivers because it, 
Luke Wilson is one of the best cinematic drunks, in my opinion, ever. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like to say, I'm really glad and proud to be here tonight. I'm glad to see Frank's dad made it out. That's awesome. I hadn't seen him in like eight years. That's great. Congratulations. I love you, Dad. True love is hard to find. Sometimes you think you have true love, and then you catch the early flight home from San Diego, and a couple of nude people jump out of your bathroom blindfolded like a goddamn magic show, ready to double team your girlfriend, and it stops. And it stops right there, and it continues right here, because I think what my friend Mitch is trying to say is that true love is blind. Let's raise our glasses, whatever we got in front of us. Salute, health and happiness. Cheers, everybody. I love you so much, Frankie. I love you. I'm not a talker. I'm not a talker. I love you. Congratulations. Right, like there's yeah. It's a certain subsect of comedy because you're trying not to be drunk. Like the yes. best part of playing a drunk is like, I'm not drunk. Like you're, you're, you're denying that you are and it's failing, right? Yeah. So that's one of my favorites. Of course, Earmuffs is a classic <laughs> where they're presenting the concept of becoming a party house and eventually a fraternity. And it's Vince like sort of driving the narrative and we're going to have a huge party and Will Ferrell kind of going along with it. Um, I think other stuff like uh, Frank the Tank when he's like, oh no, you know, the, the kids are like, hey, you know, oh, you, yeah. you want some beer? You want? And he's like, no, I think we're going to go to, I, you know, I think tomorrow we're going to get up early. We're going to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. And he's trying to play the role of the dutiful husband. Mm. And, and you know, they give him a beer and he's like, it tastes so good when it goes down right. your throat. And it just, it, that whole like bit and then into... Uh, we're going streaking, come right. on, snoop, snoop a loop, all that stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Um, that's what I mean. Is it's an imitably, uh, imitably uh, quotable movie, right? There's For tons sure. of one-liners, tons of funny scenes. There's tons of you know rewatchable moments. Um, I would say also the uh, blue. Uh, wrestling scene where the little guy blew yeah. the scene where Will Ferrell adopts sort of the sergeant at arms character where he, you know, he's, he's, he's indoctrinating the troops. I think the whole funny scene when they're racing around and like grabbing people off the street to come be like their pledges. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I think the, um, the, so when blue dies and then Will Ferrell sings this song uh, at the funeral, yeah. I mean, it. it's kind of got, usually if you have two of those in a comedy, like two, like, oh my God, you won't believe they did this or, oh my God, this is the funniest scene you've ever seen. And I think this movie has like 10, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, even like the, you know, uh, Will Ferrell getting shot with the dart and he's like, you ain't Oh crazy. my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the like, the weird moment where Luke catches uh, catches the old boyfriend uh, or now current, you know, like again boyfriend with um, in the bathroom. Oh and, yeah, uh, Craig Kilborn. He's like guy code man, guy code. Good right. talk, good talk. <laughs> you know, like, even that kind of shit. It's just it's so many things, and and I I 
I would like to read the script of it and just be like, was it all there? Right. Um, but I imagine it, it wasn't. I imagine most of it was there. And then these people just went to town and Todd Phillips knew a lot of it when you have people like this is you let them go and then you pull them back. You know oh, I mean? yeah. It's like, it's not just knowing to let them go or goading them to try to go. It's, it's when is, when is it too much? Right. Right. And so if you look into, um, and by the way, like look at Joker, like I, I don't love the film, but I do respect that the guy can do drama and comedy. Right. Yeah. And, no, for sure. Um, when you see uh, like the making of an Anchorman, which came like sort of on the heels of this, mm-hmm. uh, you see that um, that kind of film is almost, I mean, from what I've seen of the making ofs and like heard from the actors is that it really is like almost all improv, right? They have like a very loose yeah. uh, script. And then like Adam McKay's process is literally you know, to have a, a, a bullhorn or like a, a PA uh, uh, speaker and they'll do the line in the script and then he'll yell out like, now say this, now say that, try mm-hmm. this, do that. And it's like, just blah, 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 blah. And you, the, I, I've heard actors say like, yeah, you kind of have to readjust. Like it's more loose and it's more like, try this, do this. And, and they'll just riff for hours and then it becomes more of an editing challenge. Like, okay, maybe we too far down that road or that's not funny but some of the outtake i mean just treat yourself and go to uh youtube and just do like anchorman outtakes yeah and you're just like (laughs) oh my god this is so funny yeah and but you also realize like it's too much it's just right too far like somewhere along the line you have to keep to the plot and be like okay we got the line and that's what's interesting about directing actors is like you so you you know that this and this and this have to be said to get you to the next scene, right? You're always trying to edit in your head as a director. So um, when they, you know, when either you tell them like, try it your way, or they say, Hey, can I try something? The director's job is to understand that like, at some point somebody has to say, Hey guys, we should all go in the barn right, or whatever. Right. Because when they're riffing and they're this and they're that, and there's fun, like asides and such. And so you need to get them in the barn. Right. You know, otherwise you do the thing in post where like you got to get the actor that's off the screen while you're concentrating on someone else. The other actor in the scene has to say, you know, like a throwaway line, like, Hey, maybe we should go in the barn. Right. Cause it's like, shit, we're just flailing here. What do we do? I mean, I remember I did a short comedy film with my friends like years ago and it was a, it was a ball and there was some real, just amazingly funny scenes. Yeah. But it didn't cut together. Right. Because I didn't rein them in. I hadn't learned like, no, 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 no. Yes, that's fun. Great. We'll play with it. But this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. And unfortunately, they were all funny comedy (laughs) actors. And so they were all going all over the place. And I was just having fun in the moment. Like, oh, she's funny or oh, he's funny or whatever. And then I go, oh, shit. I have to be the the grown up in the room like all right all right <laughs> settle down let's right. just say it's straight so we can get from here to here to here to here to here you mm-hmm. know and this movie has a good structure i mean if you just break it down it's a very simple structure and but it helps to keep it flowing right because sometimes yeah. they get a little too 
you know, kind of masturbatory, like, ha ha ha, you know, and, and, right. and, and McKay has done that. Some of his films are like, okay, you're riffing, we get it. Like, what's the point of this movie, right? Right. And sometimes brevity is, is your friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know we're getting close to the end of our time and I know you are a busy person right now, so I don't want to keep you too long, but I will say thanks for picking the movie because it has been a little heavy in the world and uh, this was a nice break for sure. Um, like you said, it's a mac and cheese movie and uh, it was it was nice to have a mac and cheese day for sure. So first and foremost, thanks for picking the movie and thanks for coming on. Uh, My I, pleasure. I, I had a fun. great time. <laughs> Me too. It's always fun. Always. Um, yeah. Thank you for this. I, I will always uh, <laughs> gladly talk about my favorite movies and and, and bore you to tears, but um, <laughs> highly recommend. Yes. Uh, yeah. Especially now. Of course, let's just, you know, put the, 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 the caveat. <laughs> it's 20 years old. For sure. Um, <laughs> Good to remember. <laughs> Set your dials accordingly <laughs> and just remember it's a stupid comedy. Yeah. It's not making any judgments on people, lifestyles, belief systems, whatever. Right. And I think in general, we all kind of need to remember that. It's just, I think some of the reason that we live in these fraught times is because we're becoming set in our own specific subjective point of view of the world and i think comedy works when you're either looser you're not as rigid in your viewpoint or you also are able to you know watch a story about people that aren't exactly like yourself or don't really relate to your like daily routine or whatever and like you said you just kind of check out and just whatever enjoy the ride you know yeah no for sure and I'm I'm so excited for the podcast to drop. And of course, I'll be looking out for when when the movie things perspire, which will be very excited. You have to keep me updated on what's going on for sure. <laughs> oh, you'll be first to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks Absolutely. For me. You're welcome back anytime. And th- again, just thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Another huge thank you to Alex Collegian for coming on and talking about one of his mac and cheese movies, Old School. I didn't really know what I was going to get into. Like I said in the beginning, I am not one for a raunchy comedy. Um, However, I did find myself laughing several times throughout this film and also laughing at, you know, where comedy has kind of come from, right? I mean, that 2003 version of comedy versus today's version of comedy. That's so incredibly different. And I think as a history person myself, I think it's really, really interesting to go back and see those moments. And and also the nostalgia for me personally is, you know, watching those films as a young adult and you know, maybe understanding the humor, maybe not. Hard to say, you know, maybe I was too young for those movies. Who knows? It's just kind of fun to revisit and and also view them in a 2022 lens because things are different now. And it's reflected in how we in how we view cinema from that time. So if you haven't seen it, 
go ahead and give it a shot. You know, things are heavy enough as it is. Uh, and old school is just going to give you some laughs. It's going to give you some physical comedy. It's going to give you a little bit of stupidity uh, in this day and age. And so there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, if you liked this episode and you just want more, you have a couple options. Option one, you can go ahead and uh, re-listen to all of the episodes from seasons one through four and the summer session uh, while we are waiting for our last couple episodes to air. Um, option two, you can follow us on the socials. Uh, we do have an Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. Uh, that is the main hub of information I have found, uh, myself posting to, um, you know, guests of the show, what movie we're talking about, where the conversation is now. It's all there on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. Uh, we do also have a TikTok page at scopophilia, the podcast where, is a little bit sillier over there, let's be honest. It's, it's just um, some silliness uh, just for me. So if you like hearing my voice and we're possibly seeing my face, you can go ahead and follow us over there. Um, and then lastly, we do also have merchandise that you can buy to support the show. Um, we have hats, we have tote bags, we have t-shirts, um, all of which you can find on our show page at the Next Chapter Podcasts website, uh, which is ncpodcasts.com slash scopophilia, or you can check our Instagram bio for the link and pick up your Scopophilia merch. And then lastly, since you're already on the internet, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show because it helps us out a lot. And uh, I love hearing from you guys. So it's a win-win all around. And since you're already on the internet, I know it just keeps going. Since you're already on the internet, don't forget to tell your friends and your family and your family of friends and your friends of family about the show because we want to talk with them too. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye.